0: What God was speaking to me about has been my perspective on how I see, see life. Um, I think for like the last couple of years, I've been experiencing some weird um, processes in life. Um, I went from having a job to being unemployed, working part time six months and um, going through so much different situations at work, dealing with stuff in my own personal life. Um, and all of it was based on attitude. It was based on perspective, and today, uh, I want to share a little bit about that, um, and when the title uh, that I have today is about uh, graduate your attitude, graduate your attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, graduate your attitude. Now, um, does everybody have a phone in here? Like, seriously, I mean, I know that's a weird question to ask, but does everybody have a phone in here? All right, so I need you to do me a favor. I need you to pull out your phone. Pull out your smartphone, right? Even if you're watching at home, I want you to do the same thing. Um, I want you to go to the selfie camera. Does everybody know what a selfie camera is? (laughs) Of course you do. I've seen your Facebook. Um, And then I want you to point the camera towards you. And I want you to do me a favor. We're going to take two pictures. One of them, I want you to smile as big as you can. All right? This is a little weird, I know, but trust me, it's going to make sense. I want you to smile as big as you can. I want you to snap a picture. Alright? I'm doing this too. Tito, you gotta do this. Like ushers are not excused from this. You pull out your phone, okay? Wherever Julio's at, you need to pull out his phone. We're gonna take a selfie. Alright. Now, when you take the first picture, now I want you to make the most angriest face you can make. Alright? Alright. Good. It's pretty cool, right? Now, I don't know about your phones. I mean, I have an iPhone, Team iPhone. Woohoo! If you have a Galaxy, it might work different. But usually when you take pictures, you can just like slide them over like this. So I don't know if it's going to turn, whatever. But this is my smiley face. See how big it is? Focus on that. It's pretty nice. And then look at how serious this one is. I want you to just take a second. Do that with your pictures. Just look at it. Which one do you think people want to see? (laughs) Which one do you think people want to see? The first one, right? The one that you're smiling and life is good and everything is great. And um, the second one shows a more serious face. It shows two different characters. And believe you me, we we operate in these two different faces almost every single day. God um, has been working with my attitude. Um, he's been working with the way that I first and foremost operate with people, how I operate in church and how I operate with my wife, how I operate with my children. It's been a process. It's been a journey. Um, and the verse that he gave me, cause I want to be able to uh, get into that cause I don't want to talk for long today. Um, is in Matthew five? If, if you could just turn with me real quick to Matthew five and I'm just going to start reading. For they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the last verse right here. Verse 11. It says um, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads real quick. Lord God, I just thank you, Father, for the reading of your word. I thank you, Father, for using me today as an instrument for your glory, God. I pray that I may step to the side, that the Holy Spirit may come in and teach and and, and, and minister this word that you have put in my spirit, Lord. I pray for your strength. I pray for your guidance. And I pray that the people's hearts, uh, ears, will be ready to receive what it is that you have to say. For this time and this season, in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. So I got three points. So I don't know if you guys are taking notes, but my three points, I just want to give them to you real quick. Um, Because sometimes I fly by and I just might lose focus because, you know, I do that sometimes. I want to just give them to you. Part one is going to be, for every new level, there is a new devil. If you want to write that down. For every new level, there is a new devil. The second part is going to be, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. The last part is going to be renew your mind because you never know. Renew your mind because you never know. Amen? We're going to start off with part one. Part one is for every new level, there is a new devil. And God has definitely uh, been, been showing up in my life with this. And I've been encountering different things at work. Um, at home, um, with friends, with family, sometimes, you you know, you come to a place in life where you start to realize that God is starting to trim down people next to you. Who screamed that? That was really cool. Uh, Okay. God, God, for some reason right now in a season, and I believe that he's doing that with a lot of people. He's beginning to trim down your associates. Because there's a preparation that's not only happening within your life, but within this church. That God is taking us into a process. And the process is the journey. You know, before I used to think that life was an obstacle. But I can overcome an obstacle right now. I can literally train for an obstacle. And prepare myself, and then once the obstacle is done, I'm done. And I can't look at life like that anymore. Because I can... Overcome one situation, but as soon as I get right over this situation, there's another one facing me. And sometimes it begins, it's, it's greater than the one that I just got over. So in my mind now, I'm thinking, this is not an obstacle anymore. Now this is a journey. So now, my endurance has to be greater. The, the stamina has to be greater. The mindsets have to be different. I can't operate the way that I used to operate in 1996. It's not working for me anymore. The way that I used to think when I was the, the person that I was before, I can't think like that anymore. I can't walk into my workplace and my pants is down. You know, my hat is backwards. And I'm like, yo, what up, parent? You good? Can I help you with something, yo? My boss is going to come up to me and tell me that here's the pink slip. I'll see you later. And I don't have an income for my house. You see, in life, your attitude has to change. The way that you think and operate has to begin to adjust. Life sometimes is very unfair. Can can you agree with me on that? Sometimes you wake up and you're ready to go. And then sometimes you wake up and you can barely get yourself off the bed. And your attitude is what really gets you going or brings you back. Think about the time when you first met Jesus. Think about those tears that you cried and those moments when you raised your hands in worship and there was like no experience like that before. And then now, think about yourself now. You see, because as time begins to come and situations begin to happen, your attitude begins to bring you back to who you used to be. And I believe that God is is bringing that to fruition for us so we can wake up before you're too far gone. And sometimes he brings a message or a messenger that will come and speak to you before you completely fall off the cliff. And it's up to us to make those steps of adjustment. See, when I first came to church, I had to accept the fact that I wasn't who I needed to be. And I needed to give myself permission to change. The same way when you learn a new ability or a new game and you don't know how to play it in the beginning and then you become a master at it through time because you gave yourself permission to learn and to get better. And sometimes you just need to give yourself permission to change, to how you act towards situations and how situations come upon us and how we treat others throughout those situations. It's quiet in here. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Everyone has a hard time every now and then. When things don't work in our favor, the word attitude comes to play. The definition that I have for attitude, I got it off the dictionary, is, is, is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically one that is reflected In a person's behavior. Notice how I want to just emphasize on the fact that an attitude is towards someone or something. And sometimes the attitude, we can't tell when we have it. But others could. I could walk into a room and I could feel excited in my body, but the the vibes that I'm giving out is like, mm, that person is nasty right now. I don't want to talk to them. They, They look like they're angry. And that's why I kind of wanted to show you the two pictures because that's exactly what people see. People sometimes see us happy and people sometimes see us mad. But the point that I'm, not, that I'm trying to change is not the outside us. It's the inside us. Because the situations that we go through, sometimes we can cover it up on the outside. You know, we can put different clothing on. We can put different hats on. We can cry and praise and raise our hands and run around and to everybody, their life is good. But within, you might be going through some stuff that nobody else can tell. And that's the part that I'm really talking about today is the internal you. It's how you view things in your mind and how you allow things to, to change your perspective towards others or towards something. Let's keep it real. Some of you guys are angry at God right now. You might not say it out loud. But you're dealing with that within. There's probably a prayer that you've been praying for. For over 10 years. Or 15 years. And you still haven't seen God do it. There's probably a, a, a situation within your body. Sickness. Um, I don't know. Something mental. Or something that's been, that you've been struggling with for so long. And you still can't overcome that. And then you get frustrated with God. And, and I look at. My little daughter, because, you know, now is when you start to see her character come out. She's five years old. So it's funny because when we're playing around, right, we're joking, I'm hitting her, and we're playing and stuff, and you begin to see her attitude. And she'll go, "Mm, I'm angry right now. You know, but right now, that's the way that she's able to demonstrate it because she doesn't know how to hide it. You understand? Because as we get older, we, we become perfectionists at hiding things. And how to just throw something under the cover. We don't, we don't really deal with it. And, and, and to be honest with you, in church, we don't bring it up enough. You know, we just want you to come out and feel good. But never deal with the situations that's going on in your heart. Stuff that we're struggling with. That nobody knows but us. Some of us get cranky. <laughs> how many of you get cranky in the morning? Listen, I get parents that come into my school that they tell you right away, I'm cranky, Mr. Medina, let me tell you what happened. And they start giving you a and it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. How long have you been awake for? Like, how are you this cranky already? You know what I'm saying? Some people get cranky because they don't get their cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then what happens is that your attitude never really graduates. Because you still need something to be happy. When we could just be content. See, I'm telling you, this is, this is like, I'm learning this. I'm not a perfect, this is just something that just God just gave me. was like, yo, talk about this, Nate. Right? It's like a topic that needs to be addressed. I was like, all right, I'll talk about it. I'm not perfect at this. I'm not coming up here telling you that I'm perfect at this behavior. No. And at the discipline. I I'm struggle. I struggle with it too. Don't let me have no, don't let me have no sneakers for like a month. Somebody's going to get spazzed on, you know, because I get frustrated when I can't have stuff too, but it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make me a better believer when I don't have something. You know, we have to learn how to be obedient no matter what, no matter what is going on. We have to learn how to trust God with everything. We shut people off. How many of you guys shut people off? Come on. And isn't it funny? The moment that you begin to shut people off is always after a good moment. Yeah, you have a good moment. You get a promotion. Things are going great. You're happy. You got a little extra money in your pocket. And then a situation happens and boom, now you don't want to talk to nobody. That's what I mean. And sometimes I I shut people off naturally just because, you know, you might have said something I might not have liked. And I shut you off. Tell your neighbor this attitude gotta stop. (laughs) So tell your other neighbor now because you told that one neighbor. Tell your other neighbor this attitude gotta stop. I'm talking about this one right here. I'm talking about this one right here. You understand? Listen, Julio's about to hit domo. He's like, this attitude got to stop right now. (laughs) Oh, oh, I don't know. I'm not getting involved in your marriage stuff. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's not what this is about. But it's true. Um, God never promised us that life will be peaches and cream. Um, One thing that is in scripture that shows us that's in this scripture specifically is that you need to have a blessed attitude in order to be blessed. And, and, and sometimes when we have that negative, it doesn't say that God is not willing to bless us. God is always willing to give us something. But do we have that type of blessed attitude to receive it? Do we have that type of blessed attitude to receive what God is giving us? I'm going to give you another example from Michaela because she is like, she should be a preacher. I get preachers off of her all the time. I tell her, Michaela, right now you can't have milk. She wants milk. Daddy, I want milk. I said, Michaela, not right now. Give me a second. She gets mad. She walks away. A minute later, I start to feel convicted. How many of you feel convicted when you say no to your children? I start to feel convicted. I run, go get the glass of milk, go bring it to her. And then she goes, I don't want it now. Oh, that makes me mad. That makes me so mad. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want it now? You just asked for it like a minute ago. And sometimes that's how our relationship is with God. Oh, man. Yo, you know how many times I pray for stuff and then I didn't get it right then and there when I wanted it? And then it came like a year later and I was like, too late. I don't care. And it happened when I wanted it. You know? I mean, am I the only one? It's okay if I'm, if I'm the only one. You know? Like, this is probably why I'm sharing this. But it's true. Sometimes we miss the mark. We're not ready to receive the blessing. And to be honest with you, it takes me back to like a book I read a long time ago, and I forgot who wrote it, when they said that the reason why kids don't, don't use razors to shave is because they're not ready for that yet. Think about it. You give a three-year-old the razor to shave, what are they going to do with it? They're going to slice their face all over. There's going to be cuts and napkins and all types of stuff. They have to be older to understand what, what the razor even means and what it can do for your face. And sometimes God will give us stuff prematurely when we're not ready for it and we really just mismanage it. And again, it goes back to our attitude. Depending on your attitude is how you're going to be blessed. Man, I need to learn this, God. Why the I feel like getting whooped right now? <laughs> Come on, man. Your attitude determines your altitude. It really does. T.D. Jake says this all the time. That's where I got it from. I didn't make this up. I wish I was that smart to come up with like, you know, like a topic. I steal things all the time. Sorry. I'm probably going to get locked up for that one day. But T.D. Jake says it all the time. He says your attitude determines your altitude. Seriously. How can you be blessed with something? Blessed with an opportunity. For example, people pray for promotions. Because they only see the guy driving the Jaguar. Or the woman with nice expensive bags. That's all they see. They pray for the promotion, they get the promotion, and then they realize that they're not ready for it. Because they're only seeing with this. They're not understanding the bigger picture. And a lot of times, is if you get paid the big bucks at work, is because you, de- you have to deal with the big problems. And people don't understand why you're always task-oriented. And why you're always on focus mode and sometimes they want to sit there and talk about Oprah and, you know, family feud, we ain't got time for that. We too focused on trying to get a thousand people ready for an orientation. We don't have time for that. We're trying to create a lesson plan so people can actually walk away with something and kids can actually learn in school. We don't have time to sit in a conference room and talk about the things that I want to do tomorrow and how I want to paint my nails. Sometimes people are so focused on their tasks that they could care less about what it is that you have to do tomorrow. That's right. And then it's those type of people that don't understand your focus that begin to give you attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they begin to, like, come at you because you're so focused on your career and trying to make your life better. You have to be careful with that. You always need to check your attitude at the door. One thing that I try to do is that when I try to walk into every room, well, I should say I'm starting to do, one thing that I'm starting to do is before I walk into every room, I try to adjust my attitude right away. Fix it. Like if I'm having a messed up day at home, it shouldn't have to affect my work life. I shouldn't have to carry that nonsense in there. Because what about if somebody needs Jesus? And the only thing I'm thinking about is my wife yelled at me because I didn't wash the dishes the day before. So now this person can't walk away with salvation because I'm focused about dishes and argument? How was that fair to, to this person? And, and honestly, it happens a lot. I have like this picture in my mind that when I die and go to heaven, God is going to tell me about every missed opportunity that I missed. And how many people were looking at me and I was too focused on something else. And he's going to tell me, look, Nate, that person could have been saved. That person could have been saved. You see, you should have done this. And, should have done... and then I, when I think about that, I get like, I get anxiety and I go, okay, God, like, I'm, I need to get it right. I need to get it right. It was, it must have been important to God to work on the attitudes. Why? Because right before Jesus had this conversation with his disciples, he was tempted. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The chapter right before, chapter 4 in Matthew, Jesus went through a lot. He got pounded out by the enemy. He was like, he was done. Someone saw the angels needed to come down and nourish him. That's how, like, done he was. You know what, have you ever met anybody fasted 40 days, 40 nights? I don't fast 40 days, 40 nights, but if they did, I'm pretty sure you'll see it in their face. They're probably skinny, tired, dehydrated. And he had every right to be like, yo, I don't even want to deal with you, devil, right now. I'm about to go back up to heaven. I got a nice sleeping sleep bed. I got some nice pillows, angels that come to me and bring me popcorn or whatever I want. I mean, he didn't have to deal with that. But his attitude at the time was saying that I have to go through this for us, for you. Jesus' attitude allowed them to go higher. His attitude determined his altitude." And through his sacrifice, we receive a blessing. Think about that. It could be something that you can sacrifice that can be a blessing to somebody else. But your attitude needs to be checked. He didn't go for the image, he didn't talk about their money, he didn't focus on anything. The first conversation he has with the disciples was based on their attitude. He says, listen, you guys want to be blessed? You guys want to walk around and have more than enough? There's ten attitudes that you have to follow. And even when life hits you hard, and even when things don't work out in our favor, and even when things become frustrating to us, we have to be able to adjust and and go back to the blessed thinking. And that's where the discipline comes in. Because sometimes when situations knock on my door, I want to react the way that I used to react. Like the guy that bumped me on the train the other day. I didn't want to say nice things to him. I wanted to hit him. Like he dropped the shoulder on me like this. Like, boom. And I'm small, so you know, I I did the the whole thing and I'm like trying to hang on. He he didn't even say sorry. So I looked at him and said, don't worry about it, sir. It's okay. My attitude changed. What about if I would have hit him? I would have been on Ward And and then 10 years from now, I could be like this big-time preacher. Nobody never knows. I could be this big-time preacher or or a a worship leader. And and, and then then people be like, oh, I recognize that dude. That's the guy that punched that dude in the face on the train like a long time ago. And the next thing you know, my face is all over the place. False preacher. Like this is this is how it goes. The things that you do now affect you forever. Come on now. You have to be careful. We have the ultimate teacher and the ultimate instructor. The ultimate sensei in Jesus Christ. He would never allow us to go through something that he didn't endure. Come on. He went down from heaven. He was good. Think about when you was on vacation this summer and you probably was in like a jacuzzi or something. Would, would you want to come out of your jacuzzi and come to church for something when you're on vacation? Some of you don't even pick up your phones. <laughs> Let's keep it real. And Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna I'm, I'm to just like disrupt my scheduled program and I'm going to go down and I'm going to take care of business. And he did it for us. Think about why. You're acting the way that you're acting. Is it really that serious? Because some of this is also tied into forgiveness. Can you forgive that person? Can you forgive that situation? Because I had to go through a process of forgiving people when I first got saved. My mom being one of them, my dad, my brothers, friends, foes, everybody. I had to learn how to forgive so that I could be free. And even now, I'm still finding that even after you're saved, you have to learn how to forgive your brothers and sisters in church. Because we're all in development mode. We all have attitude issues. And we cannot allow that to affect the ministry. We have to be able to be real with each other. You know, whatever happened to pulling somebody to the side and having a one-on-one conversation? And you don't have to do it and blast everybody out in front of everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like the simple things that we can change to fix our situations. Sometimes you have to be humble and apologize to your spouse when you know you're right. And sometimes you have to say, can you forgive me when you know you're wrong? But the point is, can you get past those situations? Can you adjust your attitude? Can you forgive your mom for something she did 15, 17 years ago that is still affecting you now? You know, can you forgive the person that came into your house and robbed from you? Might have been me. Can you forgive me for that? I don't know. <laughs> it's quiet in here. I'm so sorry if I'm messing you guys. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, let me ask you something. How do you react when you're getting tempted? What is your reaction? Because Jesus, when he was being tempted, he reacted with a positive attitude. He could have just told the devil, like, yo, go ahead, keep it moving. But he, he reacted the way he was supposed to react. Like, again, I'm not perfect when it comes to this stuff. I'm going to give you some more examples. Uh, in, in the Bible, a Bible story, um, Of a young man, 17 years old. Joseph. Anybody know the story of Joseph? I was um, looking up, because at first I was going to talk about Joseph. And I was going to talk about the pit season. And how we're stuck. And um, I just want to draw a quick illustration, if you allow me. I got this when I was in my prayer closet, right? So this is the pit. Did I spell it right? Okay. Sorry, when I spell it, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, And the story of Joseph goes, you know, he was a young boy. He had a father that loved him tremendously. His father loved him so much that he gave him a cloak with different colors, and it was all beautiful, and it was all great. And um, after that, he began to have dreams. So it was a boy, got a cloak. Father loved him. He had other brothers that were a lot of them. And they began to hate on him. He began to share his dream, et cetera, et cetera. Um, after he shared a, a dream specifically about him seeing his brothers bowing down before him um, and Wheats growing up high and he, he didn't really understand the dream or anything like that, but he just said he shared it. His brothers got a little upset with it. <laughs> Nobody's bowing down to you, guy. Like, humble yourself. Like, you're not my king or you're not my savior. But they didn't see what God was doing or working out in this boy. You know, that he was going to, i want to share that later, but they didn't see it. Right away, if somebody was to tell you, like, I had a dream, man, that God put me in the government building and I'm probably going to be the president of the United States. We probably look at them like, boy, you're in the Bronx. You ain't going anywhere. And we shut it down right away we got to be careful with that. We don't know where we're going to be 10 years from now. Our life could change right away. And um, fast forward, his brothers um, decided that they were going to sell him to slavery. But before they did that, they threw him in the pit. And I just want to draw a little man over here. Right? Put the leg right like, like that and Something like this. And like that tears or something like that, alright, so I just wanted to, you know draw kick so we can see that the pit is a hole and a lot of men might be able to relate to this because what men do naturally is we go into our man cave when situations begin to get rough and our attitudes begin to get the best of us we begin to just shut down and close ourselves out um, and some of them might too but a lot of times we find ourselves in these in this predicament right here just like the stick figure that I drew. And we're in the bottom. You know, a life might have started out good. We might have had a lot of things going for us. But now we find ourselves in a situation where it's tough, it's frustrating. And now we're in a dark hole all the way in the bottom. And we don't know any other way out. So when I think about Joseph and his thought pattern, I think about what he went through prior. You know, he, he was a young boy, probably real flashy. My man had a cloak, Everything was all peaches and cream. Everything was great. He had a dream. And then he told his brothers. He thought his brothers were going to acknowledge him. And his brothers actually hated, hated on him for it. And then now he finds himself on, in the pit. And he's stuck in there. And now he doesn't know any way out. And then you think about what God has promised you. You think about some of the things that were spoken over your life. And now you find yourself in a hole. And you're deep in the hole. Now picture... There was no water in this hole. So there was nothing for him to drink or nothing for him to eat. Think about dirt and worms and probably ants and rocks. So he's probably drawing his name <laughs> on the wall or something, on the dirt. He's probably just tracing it out. And I could, I could picture him just like, like this, looking down. And a lot of times, that's exactly what we do. We, we, look, we look down on our situation. But if you notice that, there's no other place for him to go. Like, this, this is no end. Like, this, it, it, there's no end here. Like, he'll just keep going down. The only way up out of the hole is through the top, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of him, and I'm like, he's looking down. There's no hope. And then all of a sudden... Now, his brothers come back, and this is, this is like a God thing for me. This is the way I'm processing, so I'm just throwing it out there. It could be our situation. So our situation might be with health or in a relationship or with finances, whatever, and you're at an all-time low with this, and you don't see any way out. And the only thing you're looking at is the situation, is the circumstance. And it's not until the rope comes. So, picture a rope. Right? It's not until the rope comes. And this, to me, represents the Holy Spirit. It represents God. It's it's the hope that we need. You see, because before the rope, it was just the dirt. It was just the situation. And Sometimes we find ourselves in that place where we're asking God, Lord, I need help. I need need you to give me strength. I need you to push me out of this. I need you to help me out with this. And you look around, and nothing changes. And all you're really looking for is a little bit of hope. It's a little bit of hope. And God now drops the rope. And can you just feel that, like, that that, that release that Joseph might have felt at that time? When he finally was going to get out of this, like you know, eight-foot, six-foot hole, it's probably hard for you to understand because you're not the one in the hole. But if you were the one in the hole, how would you feel if you finally get a little bit of breakthrough? And the problem is that he probably was trying to climb out on his own. Right? Like, picture one of those movies when you throw somebody in a ditch and they're trying to climb out. and. (laughs) And they, and they can't get out. And they're trying to get out on their own. And, and that's us sometimes. When we're in a situation, we're trying to figure it out on our own. And not one time do we pray. Not one time do we ask God for guidance or ask God to help us out. We just want to do it on our own. And then when that doesn't work, what do we do then? were are we just going to give up? And that's why I feel like God provided the rope for Joseph. Yes, he was going to go right next to his next journey for every new level, there's a new devil. But the point was that he was finally out of the hole. And when I thought about this, I was my point is sometimes we're in a hole and we're just looking for a rope to help us climb out. And the rope is the help that God provides for us. And all we have to do is search for it and seek it. And trust me, it is there to get us out of every single situation that we're facing. But it's up, it's up to us to see that. The next part is renewing your mind because you never know. And I was kind of sharing a little bit about it because sometimes you just never know. If you stay stuck in this old mindset, if you stay stuck in the frustrated mindset, you will never know when your opportunity of a blessing will come. Because you'll be too stuck focusing on the nonsense. And when, 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 a, when an opportunity presents itself, we're too stuck angry, too stuck frustrated that we might never see the rope. Sometimes we're praying for a strategy and God is putting it right in our face and we, we, we don't see it. Like the same way that I'm trying to present the cup of milk that my daughter wanted, she don't want it because she's frustrated. She's angry. And her attitude needs to be checked. And sometimes it might not be in a nice way where God got to check your attitude or for him to grab your attention. Sometimes he might have to allow the enemy to do some things to you. Because he's trying to get your attention. To help adjust your way of thinking or help adjust the way that you're handling this situation. In Romans twelve two, it says, do not be conformed to, the, uh, 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 to this world. Right there, we can stop and, and come up with 10 different sermons. It's this world that causes you to change. It's the stuff in social media. It's the stuff in the news that causes us to change. It's, it's the bills that are piling up. It's the frustrating arguments that you're going through. It's, it's the fact that you got to work long hours and get less pay. It's the fact that you're dealing with situations in your, in your mind that you cannot probably f- find a solution for. It's the fact that you're trying to change somebody and they're not changing. It's the fact that you want somebody to come to church and they're not coming. Those things make you frustrated. They, they pile up and pile up and pile up. And they make you frustrated. They make you angry. Can you imagine what Joseph had to deal with in the pit? When he had a dream from God and the next thing you know, he's stuck in the pit. Some of us deal with the same thing. I know I, know, I, know I deal with it. I know I'm going through some, some of that stuff. When God promised me things. And I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Or when you have it right there and it just... And you can't, you can't fully grab it yet. Do not be conformed to the things of this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. This is in the Bible. Ethical attitudes. He mentions it again. He's talking to us about our attitude. All right. You're getting paid 1150. You got a job though. All right, this church is not packed, but it's open. Okay, worship might not be as exciting, but it's on to God. You you understand? It's the attitudes that begin to change. Yes, you feel lonely right now, but God is in your heart. By the renewing your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitude so that you may prove for yourselves. See, this is, this is a self thing. The first lesson that God told the disciples about self. He says, listen, you can't do miracles. You can't get people. You can't do none of that if your attitude is nasty. If you stinky. You can't do any of it. I can't give you what I need to give you if your attitude is nasty. The only way I can do that is if, if it's you, you're willing, if it's a, a kind thing. Our minds need to be renewed. Our old ways need to be cut. We need to think different, react different, and mature different. After having a conversation with my mom yesterday, she was telling me about an experience that she had on East Tremont, and I'm getting ready to close it out, because I want to give you this quick testimony about how her attitude changed. You know, my mom wasn't always the best mother, right? We didn't grow up with the best relationship. You know, my dad left. She went through a lot. Her mom died. She went through a lot, and she kind of had to deal with her own thing, and she kind of left her kids behind, and we had to learn how to develop ourselves. But the more of the story is that she grew up in New York City. She, you know, my mom was that type of mom that you know walks around with the cane and points at everybody with the cane. Anybody ever, anybody ever met that type of mom? That you know she walks into your school and be like, "I want to talk to Principal Drummond right now," and everybody's like dodging the cane. That was my mom. You know, my mom was that type of person. So um, she was telling me about this story that when she was walking on East Tremont, we were born and raised on One Eighty Third and Garden Street. Um, East Chimon was like a couple of blocks away from our neighborhood so she, went, she came back from Massachusetts to go to the wedding but she had this like hunger for akapurias. you know because in Massachusetts they don't sell that they don't believe in that in Massachusetts I guess you know it's only in New York City where you can go anywhere and probably buy anything you, you know all around the world you can find a Japanese spot you know Kung Fu Tuang uh, Panda Express you know we got all types of stuff in New York City but it's rare for her to go to a Spanish spot and buy acapulco. So she had the desire. So she decides that she's going to go to East Tremont. And um, if you've ever been to East Tremont and experienced that type of vibe and, you know, environment, you know that it's kind of hood. All right, should I just say it's hood? All right. <laughs> Trying to be a Christian here, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it's Hood. And um, you know that every single time you're going to walk into a store in East Tremont, somebody's trying to open that door for you. Have, have you ever encountered one of those people? Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless. Amen. Amen. All right. And then the minute when you walk out, they got their hand out like, yo, can, you, can I get a dollar, please? Can I get a dollar? So my mom knows that. You know, she's not, she, she hasn't been around for maybe like 13 years, but she's not oblivious to how things operate here in New York City. So right away, you know, she's thinking that this man is going to ask for a dollar. And, you know, every now and then they they throw a curveball at you. You know, they'd be like, listen, man, I just want you to buy me something to eat, please. Right? Like, you you get different ones every now and then. And sometimes it's like a curveball. So this man asked her for a cup of coffee. So at first, my mom was like, no, 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 you're okay. And she walks inside and then she thinks about it. She goes, wait, this dude just asked me for a cup of coffee He didn't even ask me for a dollar. So it kind of like, you know, piqued her interest. So she tells... Um, her husband, she turns to him and she goes, listen, he didn't even ask for a dollar, he asked for a cup of coffee. Like, I feel like I should, I should buy him a cup of coffee. So, my mom goes outside and she asks the man, listen, um, how do you like your coffee? So, the dude tells her, like, you know, I like my coffee light and sweet, you know? He's not trying to holler at my mom. Some of you are probably like, He's, my mom is light and sweet. No, not, this, not the story. Stop, stop. <laughs> stop. So, she asks him what color of coffee it is. Um, she, he tells her. And then she goes aside. She brings out the cup of coffee. And if you guys know, like, you know, my mom is a real, like, Christian. You know, like, she is heavy into church. She's in Pentecostal church. Like, she preaches. She teaches. She evangelizes everywhere that she goes. Literally. It's annoying sometimes. Like, is that even bad to say? Have you ever been about somebody that all they do is talk about Jesus and God? Like, mom, can I talk to you about my dirty socks real quick or something? Like, do you have to preach to me about everything? I can't have a normal conversation with my mom. Because if I tell the mom, my head hurts. Es el diablo, niño. Sácalo de tu vida. Déjame coger la agua. Déjame llamar al Espíritu Santo para que te ayude. Porque es un Espíritu, Nathaniel. So, what I said, just to translate, it is like, I told that I got a headache. And she's like, that's the devil. Get the devil out. Let me go get the holy water so we can pray that devil out. That's the of my mom. You know, my mom is like that. She's like heavy into that right now, and it's all good because she wasn't always like that. So I'm, I'm loving this new mom. You know, I'm, I'm seeing the attitude change. I'm seeing the shift, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about the attitude because it's, it's, it, it she lived it. You know, she lived out her life. She lived that other side of the world, and now I'm seeing the totally, the, the work of God in my mom's life. It's amazing. Like He's alive. And, and I see him through my mom. Like, so she went outside and she started to spark a conversation. So she said, um, listen, so, you know, what's going on in your life? You know, she gave him the coffee, started sipping on the coffee. And the, and the guy said, listen, um, you know, I got a disease. What was the disease? Was it? There was, I think it was like um, something wrong with his brain or something like that. And he was, because he looked normal. But she said as he was talking, she began to see, like, what he was talking about, you know, and how he had that, that issue. And he said, listen, like, a lot of people, they don't talk to me anymore. I had a lot of friends. And the minute that this happened, everybody just kind of up and left. So he said that he was sleeping in a park, like, a couple of blocks away from El Boillo on East Tremont. So, you know, she knew about the park. And she was like, okay, well, you know, is there anything that I could do for you? He said, mama, you know, I'm being honest with you, like, you know, I know that you from church and stuff, because I guess with the way my mom was talking to him, like, he kind of, like, knew, you know, what it was. See, so like, I know you from church and stuff, but I really don't think that God, God is going to forgive me. You know, all the stuff that I do, plus I do drugs, you know. You know, I'm going to keep it real with you. Like, I don't think that God could love me through this. And my mom just started to preach to him right then and there. And she started to tell him, listen, whatever your situation is, God is bigger than your situation. God loves you no matter what you do in your life. He can take all that out of the way if you give your heart to Jesus. If you give your heart to Jesus, I even pray for you right now. I'll pray that God comes into your life and that he'll save you. Do you want to, do you want to meet Jesus? And the guy said, mommy, you know, I, okay. Okay, okay, okay. And my mom was like, I bet. So she took advantage of the situation and she laid hands on him and prayed for him right in the middle of East Tremont. And he received Jesus in East Tremont. He received Jesus. Somebody was saved in East Tremont. And, and I, you know, it makes me emotional because it's that one person that I walk by that I could be like, man, I could minister the gospel to them, but I, sometimes you feel like they're going to just like kind of like, like reject you and stuff like that. But my mom has like this type of courage that she don't really care. I, I guess it's after you get old, you know, like you don't worry about what people say about you anymore. Um, but the point is that somebody received Jesus. And then... After she finished praying for him, because my mom gets into it, you know, she's like, hold up. up." And she starts going in. And um, as she's praying for him and she stops, there was a lady that was parked in a car. And she comes out of the car. And she goes, "Um, listen, miss, I was hearing your prayer. And I want to know if you can pray for me, too. Yo, two birds with one stone. Like, isn't that crazy? And this is the same mom that was in the corner store somewhere on East Tremont drinking her life away. This is the same mom that when she comes back to this neighborhood, it reminds her of all the negative stuff and nothing positive. And what I'm trying to say from the story is that you see how her attitude changed? She says, listen, I know that I'm coming back to where I came out of, but when I come back, I'm coming back with a whole different attitude. I'm coming back to get people saved. I'm coming back to change people's lives. And it was so powerful for me to see that and to hear that from my mom because I believe it. And I know she did. In closing, in the same chapter, verse 12, this is what it says. It says, be glad and supremely joyful for your reward in heaven is great. It's always good to hear something positive, right? God says, be glad because your reward in heaven is great. If you think about the three points that I made, and Joseph, and Jesus, all of them had opportunities to deny and to choose not to go forth anymore. They had the right to. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was sold into slavery from his own family. The only people that said that I love you is the same people that sold them into slavery. But when you fast forward his story, he was the blessing for them. He endured for them. He went through the pit. He went into the prison. And then from the prison, he became the right hand to the Pharaoh. And he became a blessing when there was a time of famine for the same people that sold them into slavery. The attitude adjustment. He could have just said, nah, even when you come back into my life, I could just feed Benjamin. I could feed my little brother and take care of him. And everybody else can kick rocks. But Joseph turned the other cheek, so to speak. And he said, you know what? No matter what they do, I'm still going to be a blessing onto them. I'm still going to love on them. And as we get ready to enter, to me, I think it's to a new season. Because now everybody's coming back from work. And New Yorkers is about to get back on the grind. And we're about to start to go full speed ahead again. As we get ready for that, my question to you is, are you going to adjust your attitude for others? Which face are you going to choose to wake up with? Which attitude are you going to choose to walk with? And I want you to keep those pictures as a, as a symbol of memory. Memory to know that when you're a little cranky, is it really that important? Is that your situation really that serious that you can't smile? When you think about what Jesus did and the fact that he had to endure the cross for us is the ultimate attitude adjustment. He graduated his attitude so that we can have salvation. So that we can have peace. So that we can be restored. So that we can be loved again. So that we can walk around with joy and freedom and not have to walk around trapped and in bondage. Jesus did that for us. He didn't have to go through the stuff that he went through. He didn't have to get spit on. They didn't have to yank on his hair. He didn't have to get poked in the side with a spear and blood come out and water come out. He didn't have to go through that. He didn't have to do it. But when he thought about this Sunday, 2016, and he saw you here in this church, he said, I'm going to give him an opportunity to know who I am. To know that the fact that I could have kept my attitude cranky, but I decided to go through it because I wanted people to know my real love for them. My real joy for them.